Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Two weeks, these trips of yours will take. Spit it to Archestratus. Two weeks, each way, Archestratus replied to the fat man. The man who accompanied Archestratus on this latest expedition of his, unwillingly to both of course, was a merchant of hides, skins and leather goods. A rather seedy looking fat man, scouring for new markets in Scythia to sell his produce. An inexperienced lad lover in other words who was now finally ashore again. As was he disembarking, he embraced the captain, he embraced Archestratus and the rest of the crew. He hurried out of the boat, kneeled clumsily initially, then fell on the floor and lied belly down, stretching to cover the whole paved marina in front of him, where the crew and the baggage porters were supposed to unload the ship, grateful to reach homeland again, alive and in one piece. They've been out at sea, on board of the flat-bottomed, round-hulled, sail-powered Holkas, which is a type of ancient Greek cargo ship, a sturdy vessel with large drafts, for the best part of 80 days. Well, aside from the nights that they had spent in seaside market towns, of course. And the trip took so long because Archestratus had other ideas. He knew the weeks weren't near enough the time he needed to discover and taste what eluded him in the previous trips to the Black Sea. The captain of the merchant vessel, Eutychia, which means good luck, was easily persuaded to change course due to his love for silver. And the merchant needed and wanted new markets and new customers, so it was in his interest to follow regardless. What Archestratus' main concern was is that he wanted to eat the freshest, local fish in each town they stopped, the delicious specialty that the new spring had brought to the coastal seas, what the local fishermen caught, and all before they were salted or pickled or made into garum. Archestratus wanted only the best in its simplest, purest form. That meant stopping numerous times along the route towards their final destination. That was the important Greek city of Phanagoria, strategically placed on the opening of Myotis Lake, nowadays the Azov Sea, where it meets the Black Sea on the Chimerian Bosporus, where the numerous tribes of Scythians live. 
That was the interest of their merchants, the Scythians. They had gold and boundless wheat and even more horses than grains of sand. Surely, they would be the ideal market for his leather goods. For our ancient hipster hero, the only goal inside was the fresh fish of the town and the famous garum they produced. But Phanagoria and her goods had to wait. Firstly, they've stopped on the island of Euboea, at the town of Halkis, where the strong courage of the strait made her famous for her fresh fish. Then, at the island of Lesbos, for some vintage wine, equal to ambrosia that the gods drink according to some. Then a stop to Byzantium for San Bonito, with a further stop at Sinope, a Greek colony in Pontus, the southern part of Black Sea, modern-day Turkey. Eighty whole days to return to Syracuse in Sicily. Archestratus, though, didn't share the merchant's enthusiasm for reaching home. Already in his mind, he was planning the next gastronomic adventure for his forthcoming book about cookery, called well, he hasn't decided the title yet. Maybe gastrology or gastronomy? Anyway, he was planning his next adventure to the Carthaginian colony of Gadis, or Gadir, modern-day Cadiz, beyond the edge of the known world, really, beyond the pillars of Hercules. What fresh produce will he find there? Their incredible garum was already legendary. Twelve pints of the garum there cost the equivalent of 950 kilos of wheat or 2,000 loaves of bread. And Akestratus couldn't wait to taste the fresh migrating Atlantic tuna. According to rumors, it was huge there, as big as a bull. That was the next trip. But what about the year after? The next summer, well, he was planning to hire a trading boat, all to himself this time, no greedy merchants, with its own crew and captain, and spent the whole season, five months, doing the length of the Mediterranean Sea, circumnavigated it from one end to the other, stopping on all the Greek cities, but also the Carthaginian ones, Etruscan and Egyptians too. That would be the most ambitious gastronomic voyage yet, that no one else had dared to accomplish. So devoted to luxury he was, that needed to seek out very carefully, with great diligence, whatever related to his stomach, so he can write with the greatest accuracy where every kind of edible is to be tasted from, at the right time, in the greatest perfection. But all this had to wait next year. Maybe, when this is done, he can retell his adventures, perhaps as an epic poem, on the style of Homer or Hesiod. That would be an appropriate way to narrate it to the king of Syracuse next autumn. What unknown pleasures await. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to The Delicious Legacy, an archaeogastronomical adventure through history. With me, Thomas Dinas. Thanks for tuning in for the second part of our adventure in ancient Mediterranean around the year 
with the most audacious command of the ancient world, Archestratus. A man or a legend, you decide. Athenaeus of Naucratis was a Greek rhetorician and grammarian who lived in the late 2nd century AD and himself states that he was the author of a treatise on the Thrata, a kind of fish mentioned by Archippus and other comic poets and of a history of Syrian kings. And of his works, only the 15-volume Dipnos of Istai mostly survives, which is, in English, Philosophers at Dinner. And Dipnos of Istai is one of the important books that we have from, from the ancient world about what people ate and how they ate it uh, back then. So basically, in a sense, this is a long work of literally historical and antiquarian references uh, set uh, in um, Rome, of course, in a series of uh, banquets. And um, yeah, basically from this work, we have many quotes from ancient uh, uh, philosophers and foodies and so on. And here is where we find the only quotes from Archestratus, our legendary ancient foodie. So yeah, from here is where we check all the quotes um, that we're going to see on part two of our episode about Archestratus and Life of Luxury, his long-lost epic poem. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here we go. Fragment 18, Athenaeus 293F. We must speak of the Congaril. Archestratus in his gastronomy relates where each part of it ought to be purchased. The conger. You have the head of the conger, friend, in Sicyon, a fat and strong and large head, and all the belly parts. Then boil it for a long time in salt water, sprinkled with green herbs. As we see here again, time and time, and time again, fat was very prized. So fat, conger, uh, eel was um, really good. And the best part was the head and the belly. As we know from pork belly and other, and other um, meats, this is highly tender. And uh, clearly we see that the uh, fat congerils of Sicyon were highly prized in the ancient world, at least according to Archestratus. And uh, yeah, if you think about the heads, heads are a delicacy in, in many parts of the world still, and especially with fishermen and uh, with uh, people who eat, uh, like we eat cod chicks, for example, now it's a, it's a very prized delicacy. So that's something similar to our day. And Sicyon was uh, situated in the northern um, Peloponnese, close to Corinth, a short um, distance from Corinth. And we see here, he instructs us, again, it's a very simple guidance that he provides. Just boil it in salt water and then sprinkle it with green herbs. And here the sprinkling is happening after the cooking, so it's not about wrapping it and protecting it from the fire and so on. So that probably is for the flavor, for the full flavor of the herbs later on. As we sprinkle nowadays uh, parsley on our uh, fish, the herbs are probably similar to parsley and mint and coriander, fresh coriander that we use nowadays. Fragment 19, Athenaeus 294a. Proceeding to the regions of Italy, this fine travel writer then says, and a really impressive conger can be caught, which is as superior to all others as is the fattest tuna to the worst crawfish. 
from this fragment, we can see again um, how much um, Archestratus um, in Athenos uh, quotes, of course, um, prizes the eel, the conger eel. The crawfish is not um, the crustacean crayfish. Uh, this is a different, it's actually a fish called Umbrina chirosa, uh, in um, I think the scientific name of it, the sea drum, I believe. So this is a fish that lives in the Black Sea, uh, in the Mediterranean, and the Eastern Atlantic Ocean, in the warmer parts of it. Yeah, so this is kind of um, commercially important fish as well, nowadays too. And uh, I believe in Greek is Milokopi. If anyone has uh, any different information, uh, let me know, please. Fragment 20. Athenos 295c. Archestratus praises the head of the greyfish as follows. But by me the head of a greyfish, Glafkos, at Olynthus and Megara, for it is caught in the sacred shallows. For what um, he calls greyfish, we not certainly again which fish is that. Again, we see here the, the head is um, highly prized. And um, I guess it's the desired texture as well as the flavor of the, of the head. And Olynthos, obviously, is in modern-day Halkidiki region, so North Greece. Again, excellent place for uh, catching um, delicious fish. And Megara is um, south, in, um, south of Athens and north of Corinth, basically. Fragment 21. Athenaeus 285e, 286a. Lincaeus of Samos, in his letter to Diagoras, praises the small fry of Rhodes and sets many Athenian products beside those from Rhodes. With small fry from Phaleron, Rhodes matches the so-called Aeneian small fry, with the sea lizard, the elops, and the sea perch. And her reply to Saul from Elephsis and Mackerel and any other fish they have is to bring forth the foxfish, Thresher Shark a greater glory than all of the Kekrops. The author of Life of Luxury advises anyone unable to buy the fish to get his desire by crime. He means the chef Archestratus, who, in his famous poem, says this about the foxfish. In Rhodes, the foxfish, Alopex, is the dogfish, Galeos. And even if you risk your life, if they refuse to sell it to you, seize it. This is the fish they call fat dog in Syracuse. Afterwards, put up with whatever is fated for you. This is a very interesting passage. Um, Athenos takes us to, into a whirlwind um, um, of uh, different fish and, um, and different areas of Greece, trying to confuse us a little bit. So uh, the, main, the main bit here is that the dogfish, Galeos, or which is a type of shark, or the thresher shark, it seems to be one of the oh, one highly, highly prized uh, for its meat. The Rhodian dogfish perhaps is uh, one of the sturgeons, which is the dogfish of Syracuse. And here we see the the desire for this fish, and um, how highly prized it, how highly prized it is that um, if you can uh, steal it. And Athenaeus later uh, in two nine four e quotes the same passage under Galay and says Archestratus, who sought a lifestyle identical to Sardanapalus, speaking of the dogfish at Rhodes, consider it to be the same fish as the one carried around by the Romans with an accompaniment of pipes and garlands, and with the slave waiters also garlanded, namely the so-called Acipesius. The reference to Sardanapalus is a very interesting one. So with that name, perhaps what they mean, well, they were talking about, they mean an Assyrian king, the last Assyrian king, who lived a life of um, extreme hedonism and luxury, decadence and sloth. 
and he was burned and he died and destroyed his empire and so on. And um, in more historical reality, I think they mean the king Asurbanipal, who wasn't the last king of Assyria, but uh, one of the last, and there was an internal strife in Assyria. So I think here the reference is that um, this life of decadence, luxury, and uh, wanting the best food and uh, women and sex and uh, da-da-da, all that leads to destruction of everything that is holy and sacred and um, makes us civilized. With this image, the ancient Greeks, I think they were projecting the difference of the East and West of uh, the Greeks and the Persians, that uh, the Persians lived a life uh, of luxury, a life of decadence, but the Greeks were austere and, um, and that makes them tougher and better to survive, which is, of course, a little bit of nonsense. But hey, I just thought uh, to clarify this point here. And um, what he mentions a greater glory than all of Kekrops. This Kekrops was uh, the first king of Athens, a legendary mythological age king. So yeah, here Kekrops uh, stands for the city of Athens. Fragment 22, Athenaeus 326f. Archestratus, the Daedalus of tasty dishes, in Aenus and the Pontus by the Sophis which some mortals call the dugout from sand, boiling the head of this fish, adding no flavoring, but putting only in water and stirring often. Serve by it pounded hyssop, and if you want anything more, drip on it sharp vinegar. Then dip it well and hurry, even to the point of choking, to shallow it eagerly. The fin and the other parts of the fish are baked. <laughs> Another tantalizing sort of recipe here. Again, you boil the head, simply, no flavorings, stir often, and serve by it pounded hyssop. So the sophis, uh, maybe the same as borfis, which are tested in Sicily, and here in the northern Aegean and the Black Seas. So Pontus is the Black Sea. And yeah, you eat with some hyssop and vinegar. And here we see also fin and other parts are baked, but the head is boiled. So you have all these differentiations on the different parts of, of the actual fish. So you can cook the head this way, you can do the belly another way. You can roast, bake, and so on. So you see, we have we have this um, small evidence on how to cook different parts of the fish better. Fragment 23, Athenaeus 310a to e and 163d. The dog shark. Concerning this fish, Archestratus, the Hesiod or Theognis of Epicures, says, Well, Archestratus, in those fine councils, advises, in the city of Toroni, you must buy the underbelly of the dog shark the hollow part below, then sprinkle them with cumin and bake with a little salt. Add nothing else, my dear, except perhaps some yellow-grey oil. When it is baked, then add your pounded sauce and the trimmings. Now, whenever you stew something within the sides of a hollow cooking pot, do not add water or wine vinegar, but pour on it only oil and dried cumin together with fragrant leaves Stew it over the heat of the charcoal without bringing it too close to the flames, and stir often in case it burns without you noticing. Then there are not many mortals who know of this divine food, nor do they desire to eat it, those that is who have the soul of a storm petrel or a locust, and are scared rigid because the creature is a man-eater. But every fish likes human flesh whenever he can get it. So it's only right that all those who bubble on in this way go over to vegetables and join Diodorus the philosopher and with him follow Pythagoras in a strict and severe fashion. 
A part of this fish is what the Romans called tursio, the sweetest and most luxurious part. So here we see Archestratus being compared to Hesiod, the epic uh, poet, and um, it tells us about the um, shark again, Carharia, the dog shark, which um, it tells us the best you can find in Toroni, which is in uh, Halkidiki, uh, in the northern peninsula in Greece. And then it tells us a little bit more detailed way of how to cook it, how to prepare it. Again, we have a bit of cumin and bake it with a little salt and uh, just some olive oil. And once it's cooked, then we add some uh, pounded sauce and, and the trimmings. It is quite an in- interesting recipe and it gives you a, a way of um, an instruction of cooking it on the charcoal, but just not not uh, over the direct flame, but on the side, which is kind of uh, interesting. Let's mention once again here, many of the sharks are very endangered species, so we don't eat sharks nowadays. No, it's a no-no. If you need to eat something and cook this recipe, I guess at best line coat tuna would do. Or I would suggest some other fish, um, perhaps grey mullet, a large grey mullet, which is a kind of fat fish. And um, they're not listed as um, endangered anyway. And yeah, I, I definitely think a bit of cumin and olive oil goes well. And then a sprinkle of uh, chopped uh, herbs like parsley and coriander goes really well. Again, as uh, we have here, the underbelly of the fish is desired, as is with tuna and Fat tuna is very, very popular nowadays from Japan to anywhere else. So similar, similar kind of thing here with Archestratus. And um, so presumably this is um, the way it's cooked slowly. It means probably that it's eaten not by hands as it's going to go soft. So I guess that's uh, eaten served with bread. So you basically get it with um, with a piece of bread. And this is a rather large uh, fragment with commentary about how this fish uh, or all fish eat uh, flesh, uh, human flesh. And uh, some people, uh, they're not um, willing to eat this fish because they eat human flesh. And yeah, it becomes a bit comic talking about Pythagoras. So if you if, if you're not, if you don't dare to, to eat this fish, then uh, go and become a follower of Pythagoras, the vegetarian. Of course, it's all very light-hearted. It's not a serious debate on this passage. This is very much like comic, uh, comic commentary. We've talked about Pythagoras and vegetarianism in ancient, uh, in the ancient world, in the episode about it uh, in season one. And uh, yeah, I mean, people they were identifying as vegetarians, and they were followers of Pythagoras, and people who were uh, ridiculing them. And it's quite interesting to see this uh, exaggeration here in the opposite pole. I'll be back. After this short break, today's episode is brought to you with the welcome support of Malbin Greek, UK's leading Greek delicatessen, supplier and distributor of premium Greek produce. Whatever you need, Malbin Greek has you covered. You can shop online and have the divine and delicious goods delivered to your doorstep across the UK, or you can visit the shop at Art17 Apollo Business Park, Lucy Way, SC16, 4ET, Bermondsey, London. Malbin Greek the one-stop shop for your Greek fix. Hello there, sorry to interrupt. My name's Dr Neil Buttery and I'm host of the British Food History Podcast, a podcast that you, as a fan of the delicious legacy, might be interested in. I explore British food and its history in all its glory, with interviews with special guests, recipes, reenactments, and tracking down forgotten recipes and hyper-regional specialities. Previous topics include medieval eels, 18th century dining, curry, London street food sellers, breakfast, and the good old Yorkshire pudding. 
Search for the British Food History Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And now, back to the delicious legacy. Cheers. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Fragment 24, Athenaeus 104F. Archestratus, in his much-fetted poem, But leave aside a lot of the fancy nonsense and buy yourself a lobster which has long and heavy hands, but small feet, and advances only slowly over the land. They are the most numerous, and the best of all for quality, in the Lipari Islands. The Hellespond also gathers many together. Again here it tells us where to get the lobster, but not how to cook it. And by lobster it could be the, either the spiny lobster, uh, or it could be the actual lobster that uh, we eat here in UK. But yeah, from the passage it's not clear which one is which, both inhabit the Mediterranean and the Aegean waters, especially the cold waters of the North Aegean. And the lobster's claws, they're called hands here, and by talking about long and heavy hands, I guess they would um, prize that meat accordingly. Lipari Islands, I guess that's um, the islands north of Sicily and um, uh, in the the Aeolian Islands where um, you have also Stromboli, and other interesting volcanic uh, islands. Fragment 25, Athenaeus 105e. Archestratus, the Daedalus of tasted dishes, advises, If you ever go to Iasus, the city of the Carians, you will get a good-sized prawn, but it is rarely for sale, while Macedonia and Ambracia, there are a good many. 
Again, here we see the praise for Ambrakia in Western uh, mainland Greece for the fish and the seafood. And of course, Macedonia, again, the waters, the rich, the rich in crustacea. And um, the Ionian city of uh, Iasos is again, it's uh, in, on the coast of uh, modern day Turkey in the Aegean coast. So near Smyrna, Izmir. Again, and in Athena, there's praise for the prawns from Izmir. So we see, we see again, these places that are mentioned over and over about how good the produce from these specific areas is. I suppose it was their own version of uh, PGI and perhaps PDO products that we have uh, today in Europe. You know, protected geographical indication and so on. Fragment 26. Athenaeus 3 to 70. As Sirius rises, eat the sea brim in Delos and Eretria by the fair harbored houses of the brine. Buy only the head with a tail to go with. Don't bother to take home the rest. <laughs> okay, that, that's interesting subject. Uh, very, <laughs> very, very specific instruction. <laughs> Don't bother with the, with the meaty sections in the middle, but just get the head and the tail and then cook this. Delos, we know the legendary island of Delos, the sacred island in Cyclades, near modern Mykonos. So buy your seabring from there, or from Eretria, which is in the island of Euboea, in, uh, the, which is the second biggest island in Greece. There are bits of the pastures that are missing, unfortunately, so there's corrupting places. So again, the, here the season is specified, so you, you get it as the series rises. The exact astronomical date uh, varies slightly from year to year, and with the latitude... And the rising and setting of stars for the Greeks generally referred to the visible position of the star uh, just before sunrise. And in the ancient world, Sirius rose in the latitude of Eretria around the 28th of uh, July. Fragment 27. Athenaeus 30 LC. Archestratus, the company commander of banquets, says, Get Alebias, the liverfish, in sea-washed Dilos or Tinos. We see Athenaeus here introduces Akestratus with a sarcastic metaphor, military metaphor. And um, we see here the fish again from Dilos Otinos in, um, in Cyclades, which is basically a place to get your fish from. The Lebias is um, an otherwise unknown name for the liverfish. Itself is not identified uh, 100%. What could this be? So, unfortunately, with this passage, we have very little um, to go with. Fragment 28. Athenaeus 32, i.e. The salpi I always consider to be a poor fish. It is particularly to be eaten at the grain harvest. Get one in Mytilini. And this um, Mytilini is in modern-day island of Lesbos. And um, the fish may be sarpa salpa. And um, again, here... Um, it tells us that it's not a good fish. Just get it, just eat it around the grain harvest. So that's probably summer, summertime. This is like a um, species of um, of a sea bream with um, golden stripes that run down the length of its body. If it's if it's that one, sarpa. And um, yeah, it's still uh, commercially available in the Mediterranean, and apparently it can cause. Uh, hallucinations and hallucinogenic effects if you eat it, which I haven't uh, actually <laughs> heard before. Fragment 29, Athenaeus 320F. The chef Archestratus in his golden words says, 
Dinthasos by the scorpion fish, provided it is no larger than your forearm. Put forth your hands away from a large one. The, the word chef here is a direct translation of uh, arranger of tasty foods. The original text says um, arranger of tasty foods. And here the scorpion fish probably is a rascas, still very, very popular and good for soups and um, bouillabaisse. It is a firm-fleshed fish, according to Gallen. And according to Davidson, it provides good helpings of a remarkably firm white flesh. And here we see Archestratus, unlike uh, in, other com- in, in other passages, he does recommend a very large fish, but one that is at the most as long as your forearm. Again, tells us where to bite, but not how to cook it. And Thassos is the island in North Greece, uh, near by Kavala. Fragment 30. Athenaeus 32.8a. The chromis you will get in Pella... It's fat in summertime and in Ambrachia. Once more, we're not entirely sure which fish is this. There is a possibility of Umbrina Chirosa, as we said before, and the places to get it, like Pella, which is in Macedonia, or in Ambrachia again. So I think like uh, shallow, warm waters with lots of uh, rich um, rivers uh, flowing into, into the seas. The Umbrina Chirosa that we get nowadays in um, North Greece I see them a lot in Thessaloniki and Veria in, um, in the fish markets. They're quite big and relatively cheaper compared to other commercial fish. I think sea bream and sea bass are very, very over overfished and there's not many left in the wild, unfortunately. As usual, this passage tells us what fish, when and where. Fragment 31. Athenaeus 306a. Archestratus in life of luxury. Now the kitharos, provided it is white and firm, I order you to stew it in clean salt water with a few green leaves. If it has a reddish-yellow appearance and is not too big, then you must bake it, having pricked its body with a straight and newly sharpened knife, and anoint it with plenty of cheese and oil, for it takes pleasure in big spenders and is unchecked in extravagance. So kitharos, which we can translate as the lyrefish, is un- unidentified, possibly a flatfish, and probably, again, there are so many possibilities here. And we see here the large fish is valued this time compared to the scorpion fish. And then you cook it uh, simply in a brine with some herbs. Great. So far, so good. But then for the lower quality ones, if the smaller fish are lower in quality, then they require cheese and oil to oomph them, to give them a rocket in their taste. Fragment 32. Athenaeus 288a and 330a. Archestratus, that Pythagorean, when it, comes to self, when it comes to self-control, says, Then get a large sole, and the rather rough ox tongue, the latter is good in summer, around Halkis. More uncertainty here. Which flat face is the uh, sole and the ox tongue? Could it be the same fish, or could it be different types of fish? And why are they mentioned in, in that same passage? Once more, size is important, so we get in a large one. And Halkis, if, uh, if, we read it, um, if we read it rightly, means um, again in the island of Euboea. Fragment 33. Athenaeus 326b. By the heads of the large young Avlopias in summer, when Phaethon steers his chariot in its furthest orbit, serve it hot and quickly, and a pounded sauce with it. As for the underbelly, take it and roast it on a spit. Uh, here, Avlopias is probably some kind of a tuna, and... Uh, in Aristotle, is identified as Antheas. The identification of the season by the mythical Phaethon is unusually ornate for Archestatus, 
but similar to fragments 35 and 36, which we'll see pretty soon. So serve it hot and quickly, presumably roasted on the fire, on charcoal, fast and hot. Take it out, pounded sauce of fresh herbs with some vinegar and oil. And for the underbelly, which is supposedly, I guess it's fat, then you roast it on a spit in direct heat, I suppose, uh, more slowly. Fragment 34. Athenos 30 LF. Now around Holy Samos, with its wide dancing places, you will see the great tuna enthusiastically caught. They call it Orcus, others call it the monster fish. In summertime, you must buy such cuts of the fish as are appropriate swiftly, with no fighting over the price. It is good at Byzantium and Charistus, and in the famous island of Sicily, the Kefalodian and the Tindarian shores breed much better tuna than these. If you ever go to Hipponium, in holy Italy, make your way to the garlands of the waters. There are the very best tuna of all, by long way, and they have the culmination of victory. The tuna in these waters are those that have wandered from there after travels over many seas through the briny deep. As a result, we catch them when they are out of season. A lot of information here, and very, very interesting information, because tuna is a migrating fish, and it's also caught uh, with traditional methods uh, in season in the island of Sardinia and Sicily uh, up to today, up to this day. And um, yeah, it's a highly prized fish. And we see, it tells you, if you if you buy it in Samos, uh, then uh, get it with no haggling uh, over the price. You know, just pay whatever they tell you to pay. It's delicious. And of course, it tells you also other places you can get in Byzantium and so on and so on. And we see where is the best in Hipponium in Holy Italy. Most likely this is the bluefin tuna and bought in the summer. Fragment 35, Athenaeus 278a. Archestratus, the Daedalus of tasted dishes in his gastrology, for such it is the title according to Lycophoron in his books on comedy, just as the works of Cleostratus of Tenedos is titled Astrology, says this about the Amia. The Amia, prepare it by every method in the autumn when the Pleiad is sinking. Why recite to you word for word, for you could not do it any harm even if you wished to? But if you desire to learn this too, my dear Moscus, the best way to present this fish, I mean, then, in fig leaves, with not too much oregano, is the way. No cheese, no fancy nonsense. Simply place it with care in the fig leaves and tie them with rust cord from above. Then put it into hot ashes and use your intelligence to work out the time when it will be roasted. Don't let it burn up. Let it come from lovely Byzantium if you wish to have the best, though you will get a good one if it is caught near here. The furthest from Hellespont, the worse the fish. If you travel over the glorious salt waves of the Aegean Sea, it is no longer the same fish at all. Rather, it brings shame on my earlier rather it brings shame on my earlier praise. I love this passage and uh, it has something um, of, a, of, a, of a lovely instruction on how to cook the fish. So you wrap it in fig leaves, you put it in hot ashes and you wait and you judge it by your intelligence and your experience on how to cook on charcoal and ashes. And um, yeah, you see here, no cheese, no fancy nonsense. Basically tells us, cook it simply, man. That's how you should eat it. When it's fresh and it's from Byzantium, it's delicious. That's all you need. By Amia, probably we we mean a fish like Bonito. And um, in the 4th century BCE, the Pleiades set on um, 26th of April. 
So we're talking about springtime. This use of fig leaves uh, for wrapping is not uncommon. It's used a lot uh, in many ancient recipes and ways of and methods of cooking. And um, sometimes it was eaten, sometimes it was just uh, f- for protecting the food from uh, the fire, from direct fire and so on. And um, here we just see, I think it just imparts a little bit of flavor to the fish, but not uh, much. The real function here is to prevent uh, the fish itself by from being scorched. There's a question where here is. Let it come from lovely Byzantium, if you wish to have it the best. So you will get a good one if it's caught near here. Where is near here? We don't know. Is he talking about Sicily, Yella, or is he writing from somewhere else? Or is this Athens? Who knows? Fragment 36. Athenaeus 321c. The wise Archestratus says, Whenever Orion is setting in the heavens, and the mother of the wine-bearing grape clusters is casting away her long hair, then is the time to have a baked sarg sprinkled with cheese, a large one, piping hot, and cut with sharp vinegar, for its flesh is naturally tough. Remember to take care of every tough fish with this method. Now the good fish are naturally tender and have a fat flesh. Simply sprinkle this lightly with salt and brush with oil, for they possess in themselves the fullness of delight. Telling about wise orchestratus here is probably for comedic value, sarcastic, but regardless of that, what's important is that um, it sets out the standard treatment of simple cooking with salt and oil because the flavor is intrinsic to the good fish. When you have a good fish, that's all that matters. And at the very, very simplest, even today, in a good taverna, that's how you eat the fish. Fresh, delicious fish, bit of salt, bit of oil, and some lemon today, but back then a bit of vinegar. The season, when he talks about Orion is setting in heavens, then that's uh, around end of April, beginning of May. Back in the ancient Greek world, of course, today is a little bit different. Again, cheese and vinegar, they're prescribed for tough fish and um, not in a sense, in a derogative sense, but in a sense that they have a firm flesh. Again, size is desirable and by sarg, probably it means the white sea brim, which uh, has black and grey vertical bands of uh, stripes and um, it's about 45 centimetres long. Fragment 37. Athenaeus 303e. Archestratus, that stickler for detail, says... Take the tale of the female tuna, and I'm talking of the large female tuna whose mother city is Byzantium. Then slice it and bake it, all of it properly, simply sprinkling it lightly with salt and brushing it with oil. Eat the slices hot, dipping them into a sharp brine. They are good if you want to eat them dry, like the immortal gods in form and stature. If you serve it sprinkled with vinegar, it will be ruined. We see here, Archestratus has been described as the stickler for detail. So for a book about excellent food, I guess that makes sense. You want somebody who will give you the exact information that you need and the exact fish and so on. And um, here we see he talks about um, a specific tuna, female, large, from Byzantium. And we see he's praising um, the tail end of the meat. The method of cooking is uh, slightly indicated here. So we have it in slices, not bake it as a whole as one fish. So I think it's sliced and then um, baked, salting it, and uh, this time no vinegar. <laughs> Fragment 38. Athenaeus 116f. Archestratus, who sailed round the inhabited world for the sake of his belly, and the parts beneath his belly, says, a slice of Sicilian tuna, cut at the time when it would be preserved in storage jars. The saperdis, that tasty ponic fish, 
can go to hell, I say, along with its supporters. Few there are who know it is a poor and feeble food. Take, though, a mackerel three days out of the sea before it goes into the salt solution and is newly introduced to the amphora. Semi-salted, that is. But if you come to the holy city of famous Byzantium, eat again, I beg you, a slice of horeon, for it is good and tender. But the gourmand Archestratus has omitted to list... Dot, dot, dot. The passage, unfortunately, stops here. So we see here Archestratus being um, belittled for his travels and researches. The comment from Athenaeus connects uh, the sake of his belly, the pleasure of his belly, to the pleasure of uh, other lower pleasures, let's say, such as sex. On this fragment, we have some valuable detail on the salting of uh, oily fish in amphorae, for ease of transport, of course, but also the different qualities depending on the fish and the amount of time it's in the salt solution, and whether the fish was in season or not. So the word horeon, it again, I beg you, a slice of horeon, that means a fish in, uh, in season. All of these considerations determined whether the salt fish was to be a cheap or a luxury product. And horeon, as I said, it's the tuna in season, the best seasonal tuna that you'll find. Thanks for listening. This podcast can only keep going with your encouragement and your general support. So please, if you like the podcast, rate and review it on all platforms that you listen to, like Pocket Casts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast, and so on. And um, if you want to really help, be a patron on Patreon from $3 a month. So you get access to all episodes uh, ad-free and early. Thanks once again for listening. I've been Thomas Dinas, and this was the Delicious Legacy Podcast. See you next week for part three of Kestratus' Life of Luxury. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.